The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, and thanks for joining me today. You know, I'm doing a series right now. I'm calling it A View from the Top. And uh, last week, we had on uh, uh, Sahel bin Tarif, uh, who is the CEO of uh, Tanfith in uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, a wonderful business. And we had a great discussion with him around uh, how he's really developing his people. And his focus is really around his people, not himself at all. In fact, he puts himself quite a bit second. Uh, to the people in the organization. And he's created some very interesting policies and practices that most companies would say, oh, you can never do that. You know, how can you, how can you have a question with employees as they come in in the morning and say, how are you feeling today? Is everybody feeling with the game? And if you're not, you know, a manager has the ability to talk to somebody and, and say, okay, what can we do to help you? And if the person needs to go home, they go home. Now, most companies would believe that uh, people would abuse that system, etc., but it doesn't happen at all. In fact, people are quite conscientious about what they do, but it gives them a sense that the company cares about them and is very much engaged in their well-being and not only their career. Why I point that out is because this is a priority for Suhail, his people, and priorities get focus, and focus gets funding, and funding gets done. And I think that that's a really essential statement as I, I think about the world going forward. You know, there's some really interesting trends out there. One, in 2020, 70% of the workforce will be millennials. Um, also, 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every single day. And there's a huge conundrum around engagement across the globe. In fact, uh, 76% or 72%, I believe, of the, the, the recent Gallup poll said that employees in 2014, you know, are still not engaged. And we saw these numbers back in the heart of the recession, but it's still not going away. And learning and development is the number one engagement factor. And so many companies have cut back from that. And they're really having to rethink how they're doing to do learning and development and, gain, uh, and engagement. This is an important factor to people in the workplace. 
I was recently up at GE. Uh, I was talking to Raghu Krishnamurthy, who's the head of, of GE Crotonville, a very famous organization, uh, really one of the bellwethers and the leaders in the field of learning and development. And he told me that GE, and I know that because I was there myself, uh, GE spends $1 billion a year in developing its employees. Turnover for millennials is four times everyone else. And millennials want to bring their own devices to work. And we just don't seem to have a kind of workplace where we make that people-friendly. Though many people are moving in that direction. So I wanted to talk to some different CEOs, CEOs that were doing things um, a little out of the norm, out of the box, like Sahail. And in the backdrop of that, I ran into Jason Jennings. And why I think Jason Jennings is such a wonderful guest today is he's traveled the globe in search of the world's best and fastest companies. And he's written his first book, or a landmark book, It's Not the Big That Eat the Small, It's the Fast That Eat the Slow. Within weeks of its release, it hit the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, New York Times bestsellers list. It's in 32 different languages. Um, And it's one of the top 25 books of the year. Why Jason is so compelling to me is because all the work that he's done is extraordinarily well-researched, insightful, and crisply written. He talks to CEOs in all walks of life, in all countries, uh, over a thousand of them, and done significant research. So I think that he has a degree of insight into what the future workplace is going to need to look like, what CEOs have on their mind when it comes to talent, and what we're going to have to do differently. So I'm very excited to have Jason Jennings with me today, the author of a new book out, The High Speed Company. And it's very interesting because how one gets to be high speed is often going back to the basic tried and truths. It's a great book. It's a wonderful read. Jason, thank you for joining me. I know you're up there in lovely Michigan and having a wonderful vacation. And I just so appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, Linda, it's uh, delightful being with you. You know, when we were talking, getting ready for the show, you you made a, another statistic, which actually I had known, but I think you made it live for me a little bit more. When you said 23% of people are looking for or will leave their jobs in a month. And that equates to, while it doesn't seem like a huge number, it equates to 2.5 million people monthly, yes. either leaving their jobs, starting new jobs, starting their own businesses, and that's a staggering number. Well, it's especially staggering, Linda, when you consider the following. Uh, like you said, uh, 2.5 million people a month leaving their jobs in search of a better tomorrow for themselves. Well, well, you think to yourself, well, we've got 340 billion people in America. That's not a huge number. However, uh, when you put the number together, 2.5 million a month times 12 months a year, that's 30 million people leaving their job every single year in the United States in search of a better tomorrow, in search of more pay, in search of advancement, in search of achieving their potential. And then I became curious. 
and ask the question, how many jobs are there in America? Well, anybody can easily Google it. You can find this fact in a number of places. There are about 130 million jobs in America. So with 25 million of them turning over every year, it's somewhere between 20 and 25% of the workforce are leaving their jobs. And you have to ask the question, why? And then you have to ask another question. Imagine the hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars it takes to find, recruit, and train, and get people up to speed. In all of my discussions with CEOs, and there have been more than 11,000 of them over the past 10 years, in response to the question, what's keeping you awake at night these days, the biggest challenge remains finding, keeping, and growing the right people. It is a major dilemma for almost every business. And, you know, Jason, it is, and I, you know, I was the chief talent officer for Hewlett Packard for a number of years and and, uh, did that for same thing, similar thing for GE. Why haven't we cracked the code on being able to retain uh, and keep and develop the best talent? I mean, it's still a prevailing issue. Uh, It is, it is the biggest issue. And the answer has been there for the past 40 years. And the answer is obvious. It's that people want to seek a complicated answer when it's actually a very simple answer. That American icon, Studs Terkel, at one point wrote a book called Working, the story of work in America. And it was really a ponderous book. I had difficulty getting through it. But on the very last page, I mean, he hit a home run when he wrote, the problem with jobs is that jobs aren't big enough for people because jobs don't feed the soul. And he continued, The number one challenge to leaders and managers is to make jobs big enough for people that their souls get fed as well as their pocketbook. And that's where most American businesses, most businesses worldwide, come up with a big, fat goose egg because the jobs are not feeding the souls of the people. They're providing only money in the back pocket. Yeah, and and I think that that's really, really true. Uh, you know, in your book, you cite a lot of statistics, which is great. 52% have no confidence in their leaders. And, you know, I know that as well because I used to do all the employee engagement uh, surveys and for the companies that I worked with and the benchmarks. And very often, that that's 52% have no confidence in their leaders. So how can you feed your soul when you have no confidence in in, in the people that are leading you? Right, because the responsibility is on the part of the leader. In the first chapter of my new book, uh, The High Speed Company, what we write about and where our research led us is that all of these companies that we identified with incredibly high levels of employee engagement, including uh, Henry Schein in New York, which is the highest recorded employee engagement scores in the world, as, as, as audited and uh, uh, performed by an outside research company, what they have is they have a purpose. And let me be very brief, but give you a good example. Henry Schein operates in 100 countries around the world. They're a distributor of medical, dental, and veterinarian supplies. Now, there's nothing very outwardly sexy about that. But when you talk to Stan Bergman, their CEO, who has built this $11 billion giant, which is far and away ahead of the competition, he says, that's not really the business we're in. The business we're in is to root out social injustice. 
And he said, that's our purpose. The company is a vehicle that allows us to do that. And he cited an example. There are millions of children in America who have no money and no access to dental care. And he said, how hard was it to go to our dental kit manufacturers and say, give us a couple million dental kits for free? How hard was it to go to the dentists who buy our products and say, we know you work hard, but now we want you to give up one weekend a month and work for free? And how hard was it for us to throw in 10 or $15 million into the pot to get it going and create a program called Smiles for Kids, which is now serving millions of kids in the United States who have never seen a dentist? They have programs like this going on in 100 countries. Millennials are lined up around the block to work for Henry Schein, and they score these amazing employee engagement scores. Why? Because Stan Bergman has given this company a purpose for doing and, something good. And a soul. And a soul. Really. I mean, that's what and, you're talking about, the, a soul. And it's the obligation of every CEO, of every leader, to provide a sense of purpose about doing something good. And if you can't take what your company does and turn that into a purpose about doing something good, then you probably don't have a right to be in business. Because yes, if, you want to I would attract agree. if you want to attract millennials, if you want to make the world a little bit better place, and if you want to do very well financially, I mean, you have to find the purpose. And uh, you and I talked earlier that that's the substance of, of the first chapter in the book. And w- 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 without it, it is. there's not even a need to discuss anything else. Jason, we're at break, but I love this stopping point because we're going to talk more about purpose. Thanks. Uh, Stay with us. We're coming up to a break, talking to Jason Jennings about his new book, uh, The High Speed Company. to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and with me is Jason Jennings, a world-class researcher, uh, author, best-selling author, and we're talking about his latest book uh, on urgency, and we were just high-speed companies, and we were just discussing purpose, and purpose seems to be coming up so much more in uh, the literature. I hear more leaders talking about really having a clear purpose. And it's it, they're simple statements, nothing wordy and and but very simple statements. People really know what the why they're doing things and how important that is to actually Studs Terkel, who wrote that book a long time ago. Workers wanted soul then too, but millennials are demanding soul in the workforce, and that comes from a real sense of purpose and a sense of good that they're doing. So. Jason, tell me, uh, you know, we were littered at the end of the 20th century with vision and mission, and then you have to have goals, and then you have to have strategy. How does, uh, what's your view on all of that? Well, my view is this, that, uh, and, and you have to remember, I know you set this up nicely at the beginning of the show, but over the past 14 years, myself and my researchers, uh, to get to our conclusions, have actually done financial screening on more than 220,000 companies, built dossiers in 55,000 companies, interviewed 11,000 CEOs, business owners, and entrepreneurs. And after all of that, I can tell you that we have come to understand that the words vision and the words mission are little more than business buzzwords. Uh, it's, it's like buzzword bingo. And uh, when you start talking about vision and mission, I mean, the workers, the ones who actually get the work done in companies, their eyes roll back in their heads and they go, oh, my God, here we go again. Another vision, another mission. All anybody is looking yeah. for is a, is a very simple purpose. And let me, let me just explain it or bring it alive for you with a, a quick anecdote. Not long ago, I was in Chicago uh, to do a speech to the uh, uh, construction industry roundtable. It was taking place at the Park Hyatt Hotel and uh, uh, my assistant told me, she said, even though they're paying, you know, the rooms are $800 a night. And I said, well, as long as there's starving people in the world, I'm not staying there. So she put me in another hotel for a few hundred dollars a night. And uh, the next morning, I called down to the front desk, and I said, I need to get over to the park height of the water tower for a speech. And they said, oh, we, we have a fleet of cars. We'll, we'll bring you over. So I, I go downstairs. I'm standing in the entryway, and this Lexus pulls up, and this young, strapping, good-looking guy gets out of the car, gives me a very firm handshake. Hello, Mr. Jennings, where am I taking you? And we throw my roller bag in the trunk, and I get in the back seat, and, and he catches me looking at him in the rearview mirror. And he said, I know what you're wondering. And I said, what am I wondering? He said, you're wondering what a, such a good-looking guy who's obviously smart with a firm handshake is doing, making $12 an hour driving a car for a hotel. 
And I said, that's exactly what I was wondering. I said, um, uh, what, what's your story? He said, well, I graduated from Northwestern. I said, well, were you a bad student? He said, no, I finished third in my class. I said, what did you study? He said, business. I said, how long have you been out? He said, 18 months. I said, well, okay, there's something wrong with this damn picture. I mean, you're good looking, you're strapped, and you've got personality plus. Number three in your class in business at Northwestern, why are you driving a car for a hotel after 18 months? He said, well, I've had 13 interviews, and I've had 12 offers. Now, I was flabbergasted wow. because I, I'm of an age where I never had a chance to turn down 12 offers. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't I mean neither. Why did you turn them all down? And here's what he said. He said, because none of these companies are doing anything important. None of them are going to make the world a little bit better place. And he said, in all of them, I knew I'd have to work there for 10 or 15 years before the top brass would even know my name. And he said, I want to contribute to making the world a better place. And that, yeah. brings, us, that brings us right back to the fact that you don't need a vision statement. You don't need a mission statement. You need a single sense of purpose. Uh, be it Henry Schein, I mean, saying, you know, we exist to root out injustice in the world. Be you Ingber Comprad at Ikea who says, we exist to make the world better for the many. Be you W.W. Granger who says, we exist so that people can get their work done safely. If you take a look at the companies that have truly achieved velocity, maintained it, and maintained outstanding performance, they don't have vision and mission statements, but they do have this sense of purpose. But, Linda, what's key to having the sense of purpose are the following. Number one, it has to be brief. It has to be five or six or seven words. Otherwise, people can't remember it. It has to show deep, deep conviction. It has to be memorable. And if it's not those things, if you have to explain what your purpose is, then you really don't have a purpose at all. Yeah, I think that's so true. And how does that align with this whole notion of principles and values? Because I think that's also important. I think that oh. helps guide people's behaviors. Oh, of course it is. And, and, and that's what we go into in, uh, in uh, Chapter 2 in the book. The fact that yep. all of these companies, without exception, had five or six guiding principles that everyone in the organization New. It's like having the Ten Commandments. Every one of the world's great religion, I mean, has laid down their five, six, or seven basic beliefs, basic guiding principles. All cultures have to have a set of five or six guiding principles. Companies, it became very popular, Linda, for companies to go away on a retreat, have a kumbaya retreat, and come up with their list of guiding principles or values, put them in their annual report, uh, publish them in a, in a memo or an employee newsletter, and that's it. I've never found a senior leader or executive at most companies who's even able to tell me what the firm's guiding values or guiding principles are. Well, if, if the senior leading executive can't tell me, I mean, why should the people within the organization be expected to know them? So here's what happens. When you have five or six, five or six guiding principles, the first thing it does, it makes you faster because you don't have to have big, long, wordy meetings where every empty bag of wind has to stand up and share their PowerPoint <laughs> presentation and, and, and be given voice. It's very simple. You can have a meeting in the hallway. It can be two or three minutes. And it can be, it either fits our guiding principles or it doesn't fit. Or it doesn't. Or it doesn't fit our guiding or principles. Or But Linda, the yeah. greatest thing that your listeners could do 
uh, in a business is the time to talk purpose, the time to talk guiding principles is not when you've hired someone and it's their first day on the job and you say, oh, by the way, this is why we do what we do in here are guiding principles. The time to have those conversations is during the very first interview in the very first five minutes. Why would you care Absolutely. what somebody... Why would you care what somebody's skill set is if they don't want to be part of your purpose and if they don't buy into your guiding principles? It's your guiding principles. Uh, you know, that leads me to another question, and this is a favorite one of mine, and I totally agree with you. I mean, it gets so trite when you look at these vision statements and these mission statements, and you could be, uh, you know, you could be at any company, and it would say exactly the same right. thing. And it's right. like people want to just put the kitchen sink in there, and, oh, my customer's not going to like it if I don't say this in there. And... And the value statements, you're also correct around. And I talk to many, many companies that will go and, oh, we have this competency model for our leaders and this competency models. And I basically say, throw them out. What you need or what are your guiding principles or values? And do your leaders live according to them? And if they don't, that's what creates cynicism and the lack of trust. So how do you make those values be more than... Uh, just something that, that leaders put in their back pockets. Well, let me invoke uh, an idea uh, or present an idea uh, about a, a lightning rod figure in Wichita, Kansas, by the name of Charles Koch, much maligned uh, leader of <laughs> we talked industries. About it. Yeah. Uh, however, he is the head of the largest privately owned company in the world, doing $120 billion a year. Employing a hundred thousand people around the world, and I had to gain access. I had to figure out how they've grown the world's biggest privately held company. And when you show up at the Coke campus, this is where we landed on one of the big ideas. There's not a lot of fancy artwork, but I'll tell you what: you will see the guiding principles hanging on posters every place. You'll see them hanging on banners. They're printed on the coffee cups in the cafeteria. It would be impossible to be at Coke Industries for several hours and not know what their guiding principles are. And it reminded me of this old line, if you call someone a horse ten times, they'll start looking for hay. Yeah, they start and believing so, they're a horse, right. Right. And, and, and if you have the guiding principles, if you talk about the guiding principles at every employee gathering, if the guiding principles are hanging on banners and artwork and posters and coffee cups, and if leaders are seen as adhering to the guiding principles themselves. That's important. That's very that's how, important, that, Jason. And that, that, Linda, is how you truly move guiding principles through the organization. You cannot announce a set of guiding principles and have the CEO retire to his or her corner office suite and not obey and not live the guiding principles themselves. And, you know, the, the one thing I love that I've, you know, have been a person that has led folks through these, you know, values retreats and guiding principle retreats, et cetera. Invariably, I have had people come and say to me, but, well, so-and-so, this doctor is a brilliant researcher and we can never get rid of him. He doesn't live the guiding principles, but, you know, I mean, we've got to keep this person. And that's, that. what I say is that you have to have the courage of your convictions. And if this person is not, living your guiding principles and living your values. They don't belong in your company. What's your view? Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, as, as, as we say, you have to get rid of the cave people. That's another chapter in the book. And who are the cave people, C-A-V-E? They are the citizens against virtually everything. 
They are the mayors of water. They are the mayors of water cooler town. I mean, who will tell you why yesterday was definitely better than tomorrow was going to be, or they'll be, tell you, you know, I, I could have told you it wasn't going to work. But what I find with most of these people, uh, because people are cynical, a lot of people are cynical, but they weren't born cynical. It was a gradual journey, and I find a lot of these people, I mean, who are quick to say, "Ah, oh, that's bullshit. I don't want any part of it." Those are the easiest people to get on board when you sit down with them and you say, look, would you agree this is our purpose? I mean, we're a pharma company. We are out to eradicate hepatitis C from the world. I mean, can you get behind that? Well, of course they can. Now, we think we need some rules for making decisions around here, so everybody's playing the same game. Can you get behind that? I find that sometimes the people who we portray as being the most cynical or most difficult to get on board are in that position because they have been disappointed so many times by the lunacy and the idiocy that they encounter in business. And when you invite I agree and hold that thought, Jason. Hold that thought. We're up on break and we're going to talk about that more. I could not agree with you more. Stay with us. We're talking to Jason Jennings, best-selling author, um, talking about urgency. Okay. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. 
To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, The Leadership Connection. Hi, welcome back. I'm your host, Linda Sharkey. Uh, with me today is Jason Jennings, uh, a really uh, national best-selling author. Um, he's got a new book out, The High-Speed Company. We're talking about what makes a high-speed company, and I think Jason's premise is, you know, it's, 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 it's the fast that eat the slow. And in today's world, if you can't be fast and you can't create that sense of urgency and you can't te- keep your talent motivated, you're never going to be able to stay on top of the game. And we were spending some time talking about, you know, the role of mission vision, how that's really become so trite. And I want to throw in that competency models are trite as well. And really talking about what's important are the guiding principles and the values that are four, five, no more than that that are central to the business that you're trying to do and are leading and guiders of the behavior that expect you expect people to have. And Jason, you were talking about that the really great companies that really understand urgency and speed don't allow, uh, don't allow people that don't operate uh, with the values. But you also said, you know, people that sometimes are naysayers get to be naysayers because they're cynical. They've lived in these organizations that they just roll their eyes around and given a well, chance can get behind some of this stuff. So what do you do there? Okay, so, 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 so what you do is, first of all, you have to have an understanding of how people become cynical. And so let me ask you a question, Linda. Have you ever had overly high expectations about anything in your life? <laughs> Probably. Okay, of Just course. about everything. All right, all right. So, that, so what happens? When you have overly high expectations about something, uh, you get disappointed. But that doesn't stop us from having overly high expectations again. But the next time, instead of being just maybe disappointed, eventually at some point in time, we start feeling almost a little bit deceived. And then that kind of leads to despair. And that kind of leads to cynicism. And so people, all the the names... And distrust, Jason. Yes, and, yeah. and, and so many of the naysayers were once part of a team, and, and they did buy in, and they saw that it was all fraudulent, and they bought it a second time, and they saw that that was all BS too, and that's how they become cynical. It does not mean that they're bad people, and so it's really incumbent upon the senior leadership to invite people on board the purpose and the guiding principles of an organization and to cascade that down in the biggest of companies, takes an amazingly short period of time. A CEO has seven or eight direct reports. He or she should have that conversation with every one of them. Within a few days, every one of those direct reports should have that conversation and invitation with every one of their direct reports. You could cascade a sense of purpose and the guiding principles through the largest of organizations in less than 30 calendar days. It's not that hard to do. Why don't most companies do it is because they think there must be a more complicated answer. Right. And it takes a different amount of time. It, it does take time to do it. It's not hard. 
but it does take time to do it. And I will say, while GE is not the model on this on, on all circumstances and doesn't quite do some of the things that you're talking about, but they start every single year with a cascaded message that goes through that company within 30 days. And no matter where you are in that company, you know very clearly where you're headed and what the values are that are important. And it, it's, it's like a well-oiled machine. Could I interject one other thought here? Uh, During the introduction at the top of the show and and the reintroduction after the break, and you were mentioning urgency and speed, I I, I couldn't help but smile a little bit and and recall the number of people who walk up to me and say, oh, my God, isn't the world fast enough? Now now you're asking us to be even more urgent. I mean, are we going to be breathless? And I just want to make certain that all of your listeners understand what speed is. Speed is not careening out of control in a directionless fashion. Speed is actually when an organization solves problems the first time rather than revisiting them again and again. Speed is when you keep good customers from defecting. Speed is when you empower that 70% of all employees who say they're not engaged or actively disengaged. Speed occurs when you allow people to admit mistakes rather than covering them up when you encourage people to improvise rather than wait for direction, when it reduces resistance to new ideas, when you fill open jobs with people who like being fast. Imagine doing all of those things simultaneously. You would be one very fast organization. So it's not about being breathless and out of control. It's about right. mastering those simple things. And, you know, why people feel that way and why they probably ask you that question, and you've been there and I've been there myself, because the priorities shift all the time. Today one thing was important, tomorrow it's something else. Uh, there is no real clear, clear sense of purpose. There really is no clear guiding principles. People are doing things to try and please others. And they're, and they're just exhausting organizations. Right. Just exhausting. Yeah. And no, urgency in, in my mind, Jason, is what you're saying. It's meeting the need of the customer. It's being able to be empowered to make the decisions and not have to wait to weed through all the bureaucracy. It's not being told, we've done that before, you can't do it this way. It's really being able to use your brain and your heart to get the job done in a great way. And I think that's the, the differentiator. And I think that's what you're talking about. And you just And you just nailed something. During our research for the book, myself and my researchers, after every interview, would would not only sit down and say, okay, what have we just heard, what have we just learned, but we would muse uh, about the personalities, these most incredible CEOs that we were privileged to uncover and then spend appreciable amounts of time with. And one of the things that invariably we walked away with is they're, they're great thinkers, but they also allow the head to meet the heart. Yes. Yep. That's a great point. And they have a lot of heart about their people. I would imagine that every single one of them cares more about their people in the organization than almost anything else. Would that be a fair statement? Uh, it is a fair statement. I, uh, I I think of Mike Long, who is the CEO of Arrow, uh, C- CEO and chairman of, of, of Arrow Electronics. They do business in about 120 countries. Uh, they're based in Denver, Colorado. They do about 23, 24 billion dollars a year. They employ about 18,000 people. And all Mike Long ever talks about is urgency and growth, urgency and growth, urgency and growth, urgency and growth. And one day after I'd been with him for several days. 
I said, Mike, I mean, slow down. I mean, all you ever talk about is urgency and growth. He said, well, well we, we have to grow. I mean, the, the pressure's on. And I said, why? Is your shareholder that greedy? And he looked at me like I'd just fallen out the back of a turnip truck, and he said, shareholder? He said, what the hell are you talking about? He said, companies that act first and foremost in the interest of their shareholders do stupid things. They lay people off. They slash product offerings. And they shut down production facilities. He said, Jason, here's what I can tell you. Of the 17,000 people that work here, every single one of them is going to want to raise, and every single one of them worth keeping is going to want a promotion. Right. He said, Jason, guess what? If we're not growing, there's no more money for anybody, and there's no promotion for anybody unless somebody dies, retires, or gets thrown underneath a bus. And then he said something very profound. And we heard this consistently in the research again. He said, we make our shareholder number one by intentionally making them number three. We make our people number one, which allows us to make our customers number one, which allows the shareholder to be number one at the end of the day. But then, Linda, listen to what he said. These words are prophetic. These words are going to be highly talked about over the next decade. And his words were this. Now, remember, he's a CEO of a company with 17,000 people. He said, if anybody who works here ever leaves this company in order to make more money, if anybody leaves this company to take advantage of an opportunity they can't get here, he said, I should be fired as the CEO of the company. He said, my most important task is finding, keeping, and growing the right people, because that's what keeps everything else working and together. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. And I think the brilliant CEOs know that. And they, they, they know that it's not a financial number. And I can't tell you, and you probably have to, Jason, seen so many CEOs that get up and the first thing they talk about is, you know, the growth in the, you know, Kager. Right. <laughs> and, 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 uh, uh, you know, and, and that, and people just, oh, you can just hear the drain in the, we're running up against, we're two minutes before our next break, we might be a little soft on this one, because I do want to ask you another question, and it's this notion of diversity, you know, we're still fighting that battle out there, the workforce is diverse, there's no question about it, you know, it's global, you've got to be hiring people from all different walks of life, different thoughts, and yet you still walk in, in many circumstances, and you see the top of the house uh, very homogeneous. Listen, I'll, and I'll, why is it that? Yeah, let me jump into that very quickly against the break, and we can talk about it when you come back, and that is this. Twice yep. this year, I have been hired to do major keynote speeches, and I have shown up, and this is not an exaggeration. I recall one in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in February where it was 30 below. They, the company had the top 250 senior executives in for this day-long session with me, and I damn near choked when I walked up to the stage. These 250 people were white. They were male. They were mid-50s to early 60s. There was not a female face to be seen. There wasn't a person of color to be seen. And all you could imagine is, what in the heck is going to happen to this company? Yeah, absolutely. And why do, well, I, when we, we're, we're bumping up on the break, and I really do want to ask you this uh, question, and then we do have a question from the field. Um, but great discussion, and I want to ask you, why do you think women have not made 
great stride. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Thanks for being with us. We're talking to Jason Jennings. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to iLead, the leadership connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #ILeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to ILead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and welcome back. And with me today is best-selling author Jason Jennings. We're talking about his book, The High Speed Company. We were spending a little time talking about it doesn't mean uh, out of control company, a company where you're burned out. You come in every day at 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning, and you feel like you're on a, on a, on a treadmill, and you just can't get any, like, like a gerbil on a, on a treadmill because priorities shift and direction shift and it, they're, they're, they're exhausting organizations. We're talking about very focused, very systematically led organizations with leaders who have a clear sense of purpose, a clear sense of values, and really understand that it's all about their people. And we were talking about diversity, and this is near and dear to my heart. And Jason, I want to ask you, there's been a lot said in the press uh, about women lately. Uh, you know, it's been 30 years since the glass ceiling. Uh, was yep. was was coined, and we still and all these rules regulations have been put in place, and all these things are there to help women and minorities and others move forward in the workplace. But yet, it has not happened. And why do you think that is? Well, uh, I'm going to risk uh, uh, offending uh, some people in your audience, so I will begin by saying that since the age of about 16, I and that's a lot of years, I have been an avowed. Feminist. I love mm-hmm. nothing more than providing opportunity uh, for people, for women, for people of color, for all people. And but my answer is certain to offend. 
Um, I think the reason that we haven't seen enough highly successful female CEOs, I would like to be writing about them in my books. I think you have to ask the question, who have been their mentors? And their mentors have been men. And I think that is true. Many, and many women who have been given an opportunity to lead organizations felt like they had to be men and, and, and did uh. what they thought that men, things that men would do. They felt there was a need to be ruthless. Uh, there was a need uh, to be all of these bad things. And so, frankly, women have had the wrong mentors. What I would tell a woman is this, and this sounds awfully self-serving. I mean, either buy my book, The Reinventors, or buy my book, The High-Speed Company, and embrace these 10 things, and then be you, and use that beautiful womanhood that you have, and you'll be fine. You can't, you can't take Donald Trump and say, well, I'm a woman, and I want to be like Donald Trump. I want to be just that bombastic. I mean, I want to be all Spare about me. me. I want to shoot from the hip. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. they've, had bad, they've had bad mentors. The mentors have been men. That's yes. why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing to you, though, uh, Jason. I have had very good male mentors who are very much like you. Yes. In that they reached out their hand and they really helped me. Um, uh, they gave me a chance. They helped me build confidence. Just like um, they gave work. me an opportunity to try new things. So many, many men, not all, but many, many men have not been that negative role model. I, uh, so, right. you know, I don't want to paint everybody with that brush because the next people that I'm going to be interviewing, next upcoming woman, one of the things she said to me is that, you know, I never asked for the job. I right. never asked for the job. I should have asked for the job. And if I had I done that, I would have gotten the job. And then there's Margaret Keene. I mean, she's been all about people. She embodies everything you say in your book. Um, and she learned that from yes. other men. Yep. Who believe that too. So, you know, it just depends on the role model that you're, if you're in a toxic organization, that's what you're going to learn. That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. Which I think is what, you know, with your say, if, if your role model is Donald Trump, well, that's how you're going to act. That's exactly right. But there right. are great men leaders out there. And there are. So, uh, and there are. We, we have a question in uh, from the field, actually. It's somebody from New York City, and, and, and the person is saying, uh, you know, I, I work in financial services, and sometimes it's very difficult to find a role model that um, embodies the things that you say in the show. How can I find somebody who's really going to reach out and help me get to where I need to go, but is somebody that is a model of what I should be as a leader? Uh, my advice, and we actually talk about it in the book, we, we have a chapter on communication in the high-speed company, and it's and it turns... It's a great chapter, by the way. Yeah, and it turns the whole idea of communication upside down. And I, I, I think the thing that has served me the best in my life and uh, in my development, and I would share with this individual, is at some point in time, you, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And vulnerable means studying your organization, finding somebody in your organization or another organization that you think has the potential to be a mentor, I mean, who lives by the values that we're talking about here, and getting together with them and saying, look, uh, I, you have to become vulnerable. I've had great difficulty finding a mentor uh, that I believe espouses the solid values in business. 
tell me about you. I mean, and would you be willing to be my mentor? I think when you make yourself vulnerable to other people, they in turn will make themselves vulnerable to you. If somebody asked me that question, I would say, well, of course, I would help you. Because basically most people are good and want to go through life helping other people. So you have to demonstrate a little bit of your vulnerability in asking when you, when you recognize, when you see some greatness. I mean, when you see somebody who you think has everything you want, I mean, you, you have to arrange an introduction to that person. You have to spend some time with that person. You have to share your story. And you have to be vulnerable enough to ask, look, would you help me? And I will promise yeah. you that nine out of ten times people will. That is such fabulous advice. And thank you so much, Jason. It's just been a delight having you on the show. And uh, if people have not gotten this book, uh, The High Speed Company, and Jason's other books, uh, they're, they're all great reads. And what I love about them so much is that they are well-researched, that they're, they're, they're simple, uh, they're clear concepts, they're not filled with corporate mumbo-jumbo, um, and and. And they are well-researched based upon discussions with 11,000 CEOs and really looking at financials and tracking these companies. So I would recommend this book highly. I read it cover to cover and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think, Jason, just from talking to you, you'd be a fascinating keynote speaker. So I hope people reach out and bring you in to do some of that. Well, I have to tell you, Dr. From this show. Dr. Linda Sharkey, I do lots of interviews every year, uh, hundreds of them, and you, the questions you've asked have been the best I've ever been asked. So uh, I thank you for having oh. taken the time to read the book and know the book and ask great questions, and I'd love to come back and be with you another time. Super. Thank you so much, Jason, and enjoy your, the remainder of your vacation up there in the UB. Thank you so much. So Going forward, we're going to be having next week Liz Murphy, and uh, Liz is a C- CEO, female CEO of uh, Campus Works, uh, quite an innovative, privately held company. Uh, Liz has a very interesting career to talk about, and what I love about Liz's story is that she really talks about the fact that she learned a little bit late a tough lesson that she had to ask for some things. And people do make assumptions that, that you wouldn't want a job or you wouldn't want this or you wouldn't want that. And it's wrong for them to do that. But they're not do, being malicious. They're just assuming that that's the way you're, you want to play your life. And Liz learned some really tough questions, uh, to some tough lessons from that result. But the other thing is she leads a virtual company. And... The fascinating part about the virtual company is because we all think, you know, how are we going to manage performance? How do we drive accountability? How do we do all these must-haves in organizations? And how do we make sure people don't cheat? I think you do the things that Jason Jennings is talking about, and people will guide themselves because most people want to be productive and want to have that personal self-satisfaction. But Liz will have a great story. And I think the other part about Liz is you're going to see many more virtual relationships and virtual companies as we get more and more global. And you can't have uh, a personal touch uh, that is face-to-face with people that work six, 8,000 miles away from you. So how do you leverage that virtuality and make it really intimate? And make your company feel connected. So Liz is next week. And then after that, we're going to be having Margaret Keene, who's the CEO of Synchrony Financial, one of the largest 
uh, online banks in the United States. They work through 300,000 retailers and partners around the United States and Canada. And Margaret is just, in my mind, the epitome of the kind of leader that we, we need to continue to embrace. And then we're going to be talking to the CEO of Genpack, uh, Tiger, who started uh, with 50 employees and built a behemoth of an outsourcing company that is a powerful global company and is driven by a deep sense of values. So thank you for being with me today. Uh, I loved our discussion with Jason Jennings. It's just a thrill to have him on. And I hope you'll join me in our, my upcoming sessions. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 